Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Welcome back to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast with Benji Nice. And this show is supported by our show partner, LaCole, who produced Performance Cycling Apparel. This is the GC Rankings Wrap-Up Award Show for 2021 with a little bit of a look forward to 2022 as well. Got four questions. Most successful GC rider in 2021. Actual results, not hypotheticals. The top five GC riders in the world as at today, which is a bit more hypothetical. The best GC performance of 2021 and the most successful GC rider we think in 2022. But Benji, we're just talking about this off-air what weighting are we giving one-week stage races, grand tours, etc.? Because for me, GC encompasses both of those, is the capability to win one-week races, even five-day races, as well as obviously grand tours. Yes, and my focus there lies on as well as, and on the factor that three-week recovery is important for GC riders in my eyes. So I think we've got a slightly different definition on it. I think you value one-week GC race is a bit higher than I do because I see most of the GC one-week races in the season as preparation races for the GC races that come after for the majority of the big riders. Like in an Itzulia, we had a Pogacar and a Roglic. Obviously, Itzulia is not their main target of the season. Pogacar in Tirreno is not also not his main target of the season. So people aren't necessarily peaking for those races unless they're not, unless they're like not the best riders in the world and they want to try and focus on a GC in a one-week race because they don't have a GC in a Grand Tour as their main goal. I would disagree and say that I do think Pagach, so if Pagach, like Pagach is not just peaking for the Tour de France. He has a break, I agree. does altitude after uh, April as well. And I think Tirreno Adriatico was a huge AA priority for him as well and, and more so than say a Basque country so I think as well as UAE tour I think it's incredibly important for him to perform at, at the UAE tour as well I don't think he you know, he's doing good numbers on Djibouti <laughs> he's not been at the beach relaxing in the in the month before that performance same with Adam Yates as well so I think yeah some riders like Dauphiné in particular uh, felt very much like a preparation this this year Swiss and, as well Swiss, Swiss was yeah, not great uh, in particular. <laughs> but uh, I, I still think one week races are very important, and I factor it in. So the first first question, and there's no way we have a, a differing answer. Uh, who was the the most successful GC rider in 2021? It's Pog. Uh, he won. He won UAE Tour, Tirreno Adriatico, a stage at Basque. He also won stages at Tirreno and UAE. Won Tour of Slovenia. He won the Tour de France with three stages. Uh, it's hard to do much better than that, except for Basque, I think. Yes, certainly. And uh, I think that factors into uh, a lot when it comes to like our discussions later about best GC rider as well, because obviously we're talking about most successful here, so it's more results-based. And I think it's, yeah, I think nobody will disagree with the factor that 
Pogacar is the most successful GC rider this year in multiple areas. Like, and it's not even like one part in the season. It's not only the biggest races. It's also the likes of UAE Tour. Well, sure, he's also the one team where they 100% want to win that race completely. Obviously, other race teams won't complain by winning that race either. But their sponsor is not based in the UAE, so uh, that's a bit of a difference. But when it comes to likes of Tirreno also being very consistent there, tactically clever in all the races he's ridden this year in my eyes. And, um, well, perhaps on some occasions, not optimal, but I still think that he's the most successful one. I don't think the Tour de France gives you an auto, um, an automatic lock to win this. I think if I pointed to one year, usually though if you win into Tour de France, you probably are going to win other stage races, Froome, Thomas, Bernal, Wiggins, they all won other one-week races. The one that really stands out to me is like Nibali 2014. He won the Tour de France. Oh, my God. Don't won, do this to me. <laughs> won the Tour de France and then Dauphiné 7th, Romandy 5th, Paris-Nice 21st, Oman 12th, Dubai 17th. So I wouldn't – I would have to look there, but I think uh, either Contador or Froome, I think one of the – both of them crashed Oh, out. my God. It hurts me so much. But we don't – normally it is just – but I'm just saying it's not an auto lock for the Tour de France winner to win this award. I think second most – best GC rider or no second most successful GC rider this year I'm going to give to Roglic just because of Basque country but it was close between him and Bernal because I rate the Giro much much higher than uh, the Vuelta Espana as well do we do we need to do a top five Benji it's Rog second Bernal third and then I probably would put Adam Yates and Carapaz something around there but I don't really care Pog is just so so far ahead this year ridiculous year from him when it comes to the Vuelta and the Giro popularity and the performances on the road there we're talking about the Giro being uh, rated higher as a more important race than the Vuelta uh, the Vuelta being the one where the second person or the person that crashes out of the Tour de France usually tries to compete for do we undervalue the Vuelta because of that because I've got the feeling that the Vuelta often has very high competition because Everybody else that rode the Giro and the people that weren't good enough or crashed out of the tour are all joining the Vuelta. Yeah, I mean, this year, the Vuelta, like it had the highest, the best road performance of the year was at the Vuelta. Uh, Roglic on Covadonga, it's higher than anything in the Giro. There was lots of high level performances in the Vuelta Espana. That being said, I just, yeah, I'm all weight how many guys have really targeted this, focused around it. You can look at the Vuelta, it's like, okay, well, Haig broke his collarbone, didn't have time for an altitude camp, and then turned up and came to the Vuelta. And he, he came thirty when the break came third. But you know the Giro, it's it's a AI priority for those guys doing it, like Bernal who come in top shape. And Bernal at the Vuelta, another example, Bernal coming to the Vuelta overweight. His his coach said he was three kilos, two and a half kilos overweight, and um, that cost him on some of the early climbing stages, as well as he had COVID beforehand, and that affected his. I'm not sure he's even able to do a, an altitude camp. So, yeah, that's why I knocked the welter a little bit. It's just it is what it is. Uh, even though there are really really high level performances at the welter, it's not all about the Wasp Kilo on the last mountaintop finish. I think there's a lot of other things and difficulties in a race, like how hard are they racing every day, cold conditions, etc. So the Giro is not necessarily easier to win than the Welter, although Roglic unbeatable this year if he didn't crash. So yeah, do you have any 
in your top five, Benji, any any crazy picks? Like, a, is a Grant Thomas most successful? And he also he won a World Tour stage race. He podium Catalonia, and what else did he podium? Uh, no, sorry, no bad Catalonia, Romandie, and Dauphiné. He podium two and won one. Is that a successful year or not? Uh, I don't think it's a successful year because his main goal was not really uh, delivered. He was trying to go for another Tour de France run. And he couldn't uh, he can do it partially because of crashing and so forth, but it's becoming a bit of a habit. And if you look at one week races that he did race, we're talking about most successful rider. But I do feel like the start list has a bit of an effect on that. And when it comes to these races, they were by far the best team at the likes of Catalonia, and that other race was at Romandy where he was uh, winning. Or yeah, he won Romandy, right? Was that the one where he crashed also? Uh, Romandy's crash, yeah, when White Woods came around him and, and won yeah. and Ben O'Connor also beat him because Ben O'Connor's the GOAT. But anyway, that's the least controversial one. We'll <laughs> move on. But before we do, mention our show partner, LaCole, who produced Performance Cycling Apparel. LaCole have also recently launched the LaCole Cycling Club. And if you're going into Northern Hemisphere winter, there could be some rides or some group activities that you might want to join. Or if you're in the Southern Hemisphere, there's also the 250 Tempo Strava Challenge. It starts in about five days. If you complete more than 250 minutes of activity between the 5th and the 25th of November, you'll receive a £50 reward, which is like, what is that in Australian dollars? Infinite money for use at Lacole, as well as entry <laughs> into our into the Lacole draw for three thousand pounds worth of new season kit, which is a little bit more in USD and euros. So, if you want to check out Lacole, you can check it out at www.lacole.cc. That's www.lacole.cc. Next question, Benji. This is the more controversial one. Who is who are the top five GC runners in the world? As at this moment, I'll go Pogrog one, two. Are you the same? Yes. Okay. Third, who have you got? But why do we have Pog first and Rock second when it comes to the top five GC in the world? Pogaccia has cold weather resistance. Pogaccia is better tactically. Pogaccia has slightly worse TT, slightly worse peak climbing, but more consistent climbing ability. And endurance at the back end of Grand Tours. So that's why I have Pog ahead of Rock. Yeah, for me, it's also based on the three-week reliability of Pogacar versus Roglic. When it comes to Roglic's Grand Tours, we've often seen occasions where he, um, well, where he had an issue. Uh, he ended up crashing in the Tour de France. Like, we can talk about crashes a lot and say, oh, this rider crashed by accident. This well, Obviously, they didn't crash on purpose, but I mean, crashed by its own regard or by someone else's regard or an issue by someone else or something that you can't oversee. But in general, there's just a, a pattern that Roglic just crashes more in races that matter. And Pogacar hasn't crashed as much in races that matter, has crashed quite a few times in training, apparently, according to himself. Um, so that's uh, interesting. But I guess as long as he can keep it from the races and is not heavily injured, that's great for uh, finishing a Grand Tour. So three-week reliability in general is that thing for me, that tactical cleverness also. We saw it in Tireno as one of the examples that I love, the one where he uh, basically just outplayed Ineos. He was also the strongest that day by far, but he was able to play with them tactically as well on Prato di Tivo, and uh, I really enjoyed that day tactically from him. And there's also... More to it where I would, 
if you had Roglic and Pogacar solely without a team, I would also think that I trust Pogacar more to be able to compete because Roglic is more dependent on his team in races. If you had Pogacar with the strong Jumbo Visma team at the Welter and some crosswinds or something, or at the Tour, he would really be able to use that. I think we look at stage seven in the Tour de France, how his team wasn't able to close the early split that was dangerous, and then he eventually did it himself. Or You know, he, I'm low on Pog's team both this year and next year, frankly, particularly given that Almeida probably won't be going to the Tour. So I think uh, George Bennett, mate, come on, Soler. Yeah, it's going to be, <laughs> it's going to be great for him because um, <laughs> that's the thing Bagasha right over and if he wants a 35 minute climb and he wants to do it he's like okay I can do this at 6.4 watts per kilo well I want to do it at the base so but has he had anyone to really set that pace that right properly lunatic pace for him from the base Skytrain style like Micah and Polans have done good jobs but they can't they know Richie Paul well Poles sort of combination in 2015 so we've got Pogrog 1-2 uh, let us know if anyone disagrees. I mean, if Roglic, if Roglic hadn't crashed in Paranista, it wouldn't change anything for me. Uh, and Basque Country doesn't move the needle for me either. But going into now our third pick, this is the rest of my top five, Benji. It's current best GC riders in the world. Bernal, Adam Yates, Carapaz. No Vingegaard. I'm surprised. I mean, he, he, he doesn't think he's a GC leader, so why should I put him in my top five? <laughs> Uh, I've got I've got Bernal also third. I've got Vingegaard in fourth and Carapaz in fifth. So I'm leaning more towards the three week um, abilities than the one week abilities, like we explained at the start of the video. And as a consequence, I rate the combination of Adam Yates's Grand Tours with, in some effect, his one week race and so forth, still lower than the likes of a Vingegaard getting second in the Tour de France. Uh, beating the likes of a Carapaz and so forth. Carapaz getting third in that. I was doubting whether I would put Mars in my top five, but he the combination of a second spot in the Vuelta and that uh, was it fifth spot or something in the Tour de France. That's just not good enough to be in the top five for me. And He's I know so that bad in one week, like so, yeah, so exactly. Bad. Um, like I, I don't count one week as a hundred percent compared to like three week races, but still not. It's not the same as. I don't know, Carapaz was decent in Tour de Suisse and so forth, uh, stuff like that. So, like, in general, my third Bernal pick is, well, Giro. Like, he was competing against relatively decent climbers, I would say. Um, Sam Yates in third week, Almeida pushing through on week three as well. Week one, not really uh, Almeida's week. Um, and therefore, Bernal is still a rider that was very strong there and combined that with his abilities in the Vuelta, being very strong on those uh, on those stages, like the one you spoke about earlier, where Roglic was on uh, Kovadonga as well, was it Kovadonga where they attacked? And I think it was yes. right. Yes. Um, and yeah, all all those things combined, he's got the ability of climbing. He's surprisingly got a great TT in in the Vuelta compared to what I was expecting, at least. And it's perhaps a bit inconsistent this time trawling, but he does look like he can manage in a in quite a few of the races when it comes to that time trial. Jonas Vingegaard, I'm putting him in the top five because if he can get him second in the, in the Tour de France, sure, it's far from Pogacar, but it's still uh, ahead of a lot of people, including the likes of Carapaz and so forth. And that time trial ability is a big bonus for him. And that's something that Carapaz is less at 
Vingegaard has a really good time trial and he's shown it throughout the year as well. I think he started off in the likes of a UAE where he was still presenting himself as Chris Harper on the slopes of Jabal Hafid. And I don't know. I think all that well, let's combined... Not skip over that. Let's not skip over the UAE tour. Why is he... Okay. Oh, he, he was on the wrong side of the cross, crosswind split. Okay. But I just want to hone in on this Vingegaard. So he's been, so second at Basque, but he was in mm-hmm. the wheels, never had to do anything, but good TT for sure. Dauphiné, not good. I agree. Tour de, Tour de France. Uh, heel injury, right? Dauphiné? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Achilles problem. Yeah, yeah. Tour de France, still great TT, but then Grand Bournon just got absolutely destroyed. Did he not crash on Grand Bournon as well? He crashed in the like descent? five times. Crashed like five times in the tour, I think. <laughs> Um, also, Tuyuk reliability is also a factor there, you know. So that crashing does uh, become a factor. As like, if it's a pattern, then it's a pattern, and it's against the rider. I just haven't seen enough from him. I'd take yeah. Yates over Vingegaard. Um, I think yeah. Sorry, I've cut you off. Who, have you, do you have your fifth there? Um, my fifth was Carapaz. When it comes to Vingegaard, slowly though, the reason that I would pick Vingegaard over over um, Yates in this is Potential. also because well. If I would sign him for a team, if I have the money for both of them, I'd say sign Vingegaard because of the potential. The opposing factor is that you don't have the consistent results across multiple years that Adam Yates has. So I guess it's more of a more of a bet for the future. But um, hey, for this list, it's mainly based on getting second in the Tour de France and doing so beating the likes of a, a Carapaz, who I've got fifth on the list and who El Hagua de Tulcan is a really n- nice rider that I like a lot and was competing in the Vuelta as well last year very, very strongly. But this year he could in no way compete with the likes of Bagatra in the Tour de France and the difference was very significant. Obviously, we'll drop the Yeah, as we'll well. He, get, he got dropped, you're right. And in time trials, he's just not as good as Jonas Vingo and as a Pogacar and as a Roglic. And as a Bernal, I don't know. It depends on the day, I, I'm guessing. His Velta TT last year wasn't terrible by Carapaz, but I guess it depends on the day for each of them, Bernal and Carapaz. Do you think any one of those two is better at time trial? Uh, Bernal's got a higher ceiling, I think, and okay. Carapaz in the TT. Um, so, yeah, I think your top five is is more than defensible. I just The reason I have Yates, <laughs> to yep. be honest, I think Yates could even be better than Bernal next year. I think, and I'm, I'll get to that in most successful of GC of 2022 questions. I just, Yates, UAE, well, on his day, second best climber in the world, probably equal with Pogaccio on his day, on a mountaintop finish, 20 to 30-minute climb, sometimes shorter durations. You've got those Milano-Torino watts. They're just ridiculous. I know that's a one-day race, of course, but... I think Yates moving over to Ineos was already good at UAE, second there behind Pogaccio and really put him under the pump on Prado de Tivo and I think was stronger on than Pogaccio on the climbs. He just was in a defense, uh, had to be aggressive because of the TT, uh, which was okay. Catalonia, good TT, and then he won that. He destroyed everyone on the uh, on Volta 2000, like dominant performance. Basque, fourth. Then he was supposed to do Swiss and I don't know what happened. Then there's a three-month break. I don't know what's happened there, whether it's COVID or injury or, or what, what with Adam Yates, but there's a three-month gap when I thought he was going to do the Tour de France. So comes back to Vuelta Burgos. And then Vuelta Espana, if the team car can do basic maths, he comes third in the general classification there, but <laughs> they couldn't figure out um, how to calculate a 30-second time differential in about an hour and a half when Lopez got dropped. So he came fourth there, but 
I think the third strongest uh, third strongest rider. The problem is the consistency, and I think that's why Benji knocks him because yeah. you look at Gamonateru, that's a bad result to to be losing to be losing ten seconds to Haig and thirty to Bernal on a climb where it's in his should be in his wheelhouse. Maybe it's too long. I don't know, but that's a bad result, and it's certainly not his peak Wasbekila capability for that duration. So the, the endurance or, or which Pagacha has is the knock. I just think for one week next year, he'll be dominant if it's not Pog and Rog. I just I think he's better than Bernal in a one week, frankly. I think his TT as well should keep improving. Uh, so I'm quite high on Yates. Do you think yeah. I'm too high, Benji? I don't think you're too high because in history, we saw him being very consistent in one week races as well. And he also got a fourth place in the Tour de France yes. in some year as well. 16. Um, we were doubting about his three-week reliability in some of the years because he had some where he completely fell through in week three. And to be able to see two Grand Tours now where he was successfully able to be reliable across three weeks is uh, something I am, a, I am a fan of seeing. And I do think Ineos helped quite a bit in that. But I'm going to ask you a question that was not prepped because I'm going to throw some fire at you for a second. We've got our GC riders here. The, uh, today's question is the best GC rider in the world and so forth. Who was the best GC rider? Who's the top three best GC riders in one-day races this year? Uh, Pagacha. Wam for now. No, I'm kidding. Oh, well. am, I ki- am I kidding? <laughs> Are you kidding? <laughs> <laughs> Second in today, no? Is it just Pogrog Yates? I don't know. Uh, I guess. Like, um, Yates at Lombardia, was, was he not like beating everybody in the sprint then in the end? He came I third, he was second strongest on the climb. He made a bad yeah. tactical error in Lombardia. Uh, he came 18th at Liège. Uh, I don't know. It's, a lot of these one-day riders, it's hard. Where, where do you draw the line, you know? Is, is Woods a, a, a one-day rider or a GC rider? He targets yeah. GC Car- at one-week races. And Carapaz Olympics? Tours. Carapaz, yeah. Carapaz has to be. I, I, I like Carapaz. That's why he's fifth. I know his peak, like what's per kilo, it's not like mind-blowing stuff, but... El Jaguar! Yeah, exactly. He's, he's, he's rainy, <laughs> rainy conditions. If he's at altitude, if he's on a branch above you and you're walking below and you don't see him, <laughs> he can kill you. You won't even know he's there. So, like, you've got to respect the man. He has to meet you in my top five. And that Olympics result is, is indicative of that. Like, okay, he... Didn't, he just raced it so smart. Not as strong as Pog or Woods on the climb. Didn't matter. And then, you know, beat McNulty. So, yeah, Picarapaz. I just don't even think the Tour of France suits him, Benji. I just think he should do should do Giro, really. It's just not his race, the Tour. Um, and he still came third. And he was, oh, yes, last year, uh, a couple of domestiques away from winning the Vuelta. But let us know what you think. Who are your top five GC riders in the world for just the clarity mine was Pog, Rog, Bernal, Yates, Carapaz. And then I actually have, if Dumoulin came back and said he was targeting GC, I'd put him in third, mm-hmm. but uh, that's not happening. Same with Prediction Thomas. for next year. Who do you think is going to be a, the most a, successful. a, a revelation? Oh, uh, a revelation. Yeah. Uh, I think Yates, I guess Yates people would be surprised if he was actually contending for like a, would they be? I don't know. That's Yeah, that's a cop out. Yates is not a revelation. Um I don't know. What do you think? You put me on the spot. I need to use my brain for once. (laughs) I don't know. Um, Well, I didn't prep for this. (laughs) Me throwing the question at you and then realizing, okay, compared to this year, maybe Landa might revive himself a bit. 
because nah, he's mate. nowhere nowhere near the top five for me this year. That's CG's for certain. Worse, CG's even worse. <laughs> it's unbelievable. I think Avenapol's won. Like, there's so many doubters. Almeida's uh, going to put him the Giro. Yeah, we haven't spoken about Almeida. Almeida again. Like, it's. I, I just had to go. I went more with. Sometimes I like a hot take. I like to throw in someone in my top five today mm-hmm. because of, even though they haven't got the results, but. He really hasn't got the results yet, GC wise, despite yep. some great TTs, great climbing performances. Mate, yeah. To the Polonia, though, come on, that matters a lot. I mean, we're not covering it next year, so that's how much it. Uh, that's how much it matters, I guess. <laughs> I, I'm looking down the list. I think Thomas, to be honest, I think people. I think people think Thomas is done, and maybe even yeah, I think people think he's done. Danny Martinez, I would have said, but he he's got quite sick, unfortunately. Um, I know it's tough because I, I look down the list of TT, of the GC guys. I'm just like, who's got a good TT? Richie Port. I don't know. Vlasov. No, got dropped every time this year. I just don't see it. Ethan Hater, Benji. Ah, uh, for GC, I'm not. I'm not sure yet. Like the top mountains and so forth. I'm not. I'm not sold on him. Like um, for the, uh, I think Tour de Pologne he can win. But we just spoke about the Tour de Pologne and said it wasn't really relevant anymore. But hey, I don't know. I um, do want to ask you a question about Thomas. Uh, we know that he's been, uh, he's not been the most reliable rider when it comes to crashes and so forth this year and in previous years sometimes. We've got the Tour de France with a cobble stage that does fit him in the past as well because he's been a cobble rider and he's won E3, if I recall correctly. He's been thrown into the ditch in uh, gent as well in one of your uh, historical videos back in the day. Oh, and um, yeah. And the question now is, do you think that Cobble Stage helps him or doesn't help him in that aspect? I think it helps him. Uh, I still think you looked at Roe and I don't know if Scott is leaving, but in your state, they're good, at, they're good on Cobbles, uh, particularly flat ones. When So I think, yeah, Thomas should be good at that. I think this year the Dauphiné win, the stage win was pretty impressive. I just You don't know, and this is why it's, it's tough compared to a game like the uh, sport like the NBA where you're seeing guys competing night in, night out. You can get a real like handle on who's good. These guys go, they're not racing the GC guys for sometimes like two months or six weeks before the Tour de France. You don't know how their weight cut is going, their form. Like It's so hard to know. You don't know their mental state. And like maybe Thomas was in the best shape he's been in since 2018. He was in a great mental state. And then he crashed in the tour, and then you know he, the season was a, a wash after that. But I don't know. Uh, that being said, I still rate Thomas, but I, I think he's going back to Ineos. Dumoulin really is the one who I think Dumoulin can be on a TT heavy course. Still top three, still win Paris Nice, still podium the Tour de France. Dumoulin. He should top. do the Giro as leader for. Yambo. He's got seventy k's TT. Last yeah. year they sent, or this year they sent George Bennett. So it's not like they don't have a spot for him in the Giro team as leader. And they dropped back Bennett for Foster in But yeah, I think <laughs> Doom, but then they probably want him peaking for the tour. I don't know. Almeida is probably the, someone who should come through and UAE look like they're actually going to be giving him opportunities. Avonapol says he'll be more targeting one-week races and then going for the Vuelta. So it'll be interesting to see how he goes there. But going on to now, our best GC performance of 2021, my one is Pagacha at Torino Adriatico. I think it's one of the most complete GC performances I've ever seen, frankly. Um, they had the sprint stage, then the punchy like stage that Alaphilippe won, the uphill drag on stage two. He actually came fourth in that sprint and nearly took bonus seconds. Then stage three was similar, eighth. Then Prati de Tivo came first and I think – 
was it like 6.5, something a ridiculous performance on Pratitativo and put a lot of time into Igita, Quintana, Almeida, like 30 seconds on a yeah, one-week race, mountaintop finish, pretty impressive. Second, nearly caught MVDP on the rainy classics, 205K oh. stage, incredible stage, dropped that up with 39 into him. And then the TT fourth, the San Benedetto del Tronto 10K Big boy TT, one second behind Ghana, five seconds behind Kung, and 12 behind Van Aert. Unbelievable performance, winning GC, a one-week GC by a minute on Van Aert and four minutes on third on Mikel Landa. So that's my best GC performance of the year. Like, it's it's kind of sad, but I've got exactly the same race, and it's simply because it is, in my opinion, objectively the most insane one-week race we've had this year. And... I'd argue that the only thing that might compete with it is the first seven days of the tour, but I wouldn't even say that. I think that it was the best GC of the year across the board. And sometimes Grand Tours actually end up having trouble with being three weeks long in the entertainment level of their of their races. And that does become a factor in the likes of a Tour de France. We noticed that after week one, GC was basically settled and we were hoping that something would make it more tense throughout. And the second that Bogacar showed a bit of weakness on Von Twitt, it was like the entire world was falling apart and finger God would pass uh, would pass Bogacar again in GC, but no, no, no. It, it was just people trying to hype up any action we saw because on paper the GC was closed down. And that's something that was not the case. And it's also because it's the rock stars of the sport doing that race. We've got Bogacar, Van der Poel, Wout van Aert, all fighting for that race. The only one that wasn't fighting for GC, I think, was Van der Poel in that race because he gave up on the Prato di Tivo stage and didn't really go for it that day. Wout van Aert was trying to see how good his GC would be if he would eventually try and co-lead the Tour de France and so forth in the future based on what he does at Tireno. And do you think that if before the Tour de France, Wout van Aert didn't have his injury with his, uh, I don't even know what that is called in English, but appendix yes exactly if he didn't have that do you think that he would have been in more of a co-leader role throughout the race if let's say Roglic doesn't crash I don't know I it definitely wasn't his Torreno level but I do think people are sleeping on Van Aert's Prantigitivo performance a little bit I think people remember maybe incorrectly how well he climbed at the Tour de France 2020 where really his best climbing performance was on not the last climb of the day, but when he was half well, dropping, right? was half dropping Dumoulin, yeah, on the Perasud stage, I think stage eight. But the Tirreno Pratitativo, you know, pulling all those guys sitting in his wheel was very, very impressive. And also, like Bagaccio had to be at a ridiculous level to win that because yeah, Van Aert took ten oh, well, yeah, ten bonus seconds on him stage one because he won the sprint. And then he took loads of other bonus seconds. So going into Pratitativo, uh, Van Aert was, I think, how many seconds was he? Van Aert was... Vaguely 30? 20, 20 seconds ahead of him. And then he would have a 12-second lead after uh, the TT. Another game, another 12 seconds. But like, forget, while Van Aert on that TT, which he beat Ganon by, he could other GC contenders be putting 20-25 in. And the, the key one is the Castelfidardo stage. Yeah. What a stage, man. Like... <laughs> it, it was looking like a stage where Van der Poel rode away and we'd be impressively looking at how Van der Poel was doing a solo to the line. But the way that he started crumbling in the last few kilometers and the way that in the second group, Pogacar was the one to attack Van Aert 
on that Castel Fidardo uphill. Oh, and then the chase started and it became closer and closer. Multiple minutes that were being chased down by Pogacar and having it finish with just like Pogacar in the background with, with Vanderpool crossing the line, completely done for. One of the hardest races of his career, most likely, if not the hardest. Uh, that one will stay in my mind for a very long time. So if Pogacar puts 39 seconds into Van Aert there, which is just crazy, and if he doesn't do a huge mutant performance on – this is the day after Prati Jativa, by the way, which maybe there's maybe there's a question mark there, which is Van Aert, you look at the Castelfidardo parkour, wet conditions, you're like, shouldn't you be at least toe-to-toe with Pogacar here? Maybe what he did the day before chasing Pogacar cost him. But, yeah, incredible performance from Pogacar. And I don't know what – and that's going to do next year. We'll talk about that maybe in the Umber Visma preview. So now the most the predictions, Benji. Who will be the most successful GC riders in 2022? Okay, my first one is Tadej Pogacar. I know it's kind of boring that it's the same one as this year, um, but I truly believe that the Tour de France parkour that we've seen so far is one that is written on the soul of Pogacar. The cobble race really helps him in that aspect as well in my eyes. I think he's got an advantage there over his competitors. Um, And just throughout, I think the only thing that I've seen as a considerable potential weakness of Pogacar, the moments where we see his face that starts to look like he's about to drop. We've seen it quite a few times, and every single time now, where it's on the screen, we're able to notice that he's uh, actually having trouble following. And we saw it in Jabal Hafid. We saw it in the likes of... uh, uh, that French one-day race, Plouet, Ventoux, yes, indeed. We were able to call it just before he did it. And I don't know, Plouet is a different one. That's one where he just wasn't informed yet in my eyes because he was just coming back after having a big pause after his Grand Tour victory at the Tour de France and some other races afterwards, perhaps. Um, but it looks like it's a combination of very long climbing with very hot conditions or hot conditions. Am I inventing that, or is that a thing that you're still agreeing with? He doesn't like the heat. It's, I think it's confirmed. Uh, so, yeah, I, don't, I think so. You think it's also relevant to the very long climbs, like a cold Lalos and so forth? Long minutes in uh, calculation. Yeah, th- it's only 60 minutes. I think so, because you look at Prati de Tivo, Tivo, he has this big burst, and then Yates is closing him, and he's not gaining any more. And the other guys are actually coming back to him. So you're right. Like he does really, really suit that 20 to 20 to 30 minute duration. Even like 2025 seems to be just the absolute perfect for him. Like Petter Sud when he attacked and yep. Calder Rom and what was it? Jabel, uh, what it most likely. Jabel Hafid, still a good performance. Yeah, he, 2025 seems to be perfect for him. How long is Calder? I know it sounds crazy. I know it does sound crazy, but this is what I, th- I think Roglic, I think Jumbo Visma can still, you know, I like him for the tour next year. My first, most successful GC rider for next year is Roglic. Harry Nice, bizarre stage eight, still, <laughs> but still dominated that race. Baski won, won the Vuelta, crashed out of the Tour de France. I think he'll be the most successful GC rider next year. I think on those 50-minute climbs, he has less of a tendency to drop off than Pagacha, actually. And I'd be interested to see what Yumbo's tactics are. Maybe they say, okay, we've got a 45-minute climb here. Let's actually really steadily hard pace this uh, today rather than – I think Pagacha likes to snap off 
do start doing his pace on 7% and then you're in a very difficult situation like we saw at uh, Lombardia. So I've got Roglic, Bogaccia, Avenapol, Yates. Nah, no, sorry, Yates. Uh, Roglic, Pogaccia, Yates, Avenapol, Almeida. Ooh, Avenapol, I'm liking that idea. I, I want to see what what happens at the Vuelta <laughs> next year, but I do want to see him evolve in those one-week races again in the same way that he did Prius Lombardia crash and so forth. By the way, I think you were in your head asking the size of Col du Granon. It's 11.2 kilometers, so it's a bit short for a 45 kilometer climbing performance. But the climb beforehand is the one where you're perhaps thinking, okay, it might be that. And is that not the stage where they also do Galibier just beforehand? Yeah. Uh, and we've also seen Col de la Lose is where Roglic put Pagatra on a fair bit of pressure. Is it altitude or length in time? Uh, both the undulations, I don't know, like Lopez won that stage. It's a literally one data, data point. <laughs> but Roglic was stronger than Pagacha there. Um, and he's got Koos who was strong on that stage. So, yeah, I think I do have, I do like Roglic a little bit more at altitude, I think. Uh, but we'll see probably Lopez winning <laughs> winning the Grenon stage next year or Glibier. Uh I don't, <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm, I'm going to change my mind. I have Bernal ahead of Almeida. Like, I was trying to be hot takey, but. Come on. I don't. Because the TT for Almeida's... The problem is Almeida's TT, it's not that great over like 15Ks. I agree, but when it comes to like the competition in GC riders, we're talking about riders that are going to the Giro that are not Roglic and Pogacar. So we have to compare it to everybody else. Evenepoel also doesn't go to the Giro on paper, which means that he's likely competing against the likes of, uh, I don't know, is Haig going there? Uh, probably Tour de France, I- I'm guessing. Hey, Haig's not doing the Giro. <laughs> okay. Landa? Gino <laughs> Lander Mater? Do, Lander will probably do the Giro, yeah. Lander will do the Giro again. What would Hague's Mater do then? Uh, I'll send him to Tour de France's co-leader with Haig. Okay. I would uh, probably agree with your theories because they worked well together in the Vuelta and that's uh, a winning or a successful team that you shouldn't be uh, switching around too much. But I think he's not going to be competing against the biggest TT riders, is what I meant with Almeida at the Giro, personally. And I think that he's getting more experience over the years. Yes, sixth in the Giro was not as top level as fourth in the Giro in 2020, but I don't think we can uh, get much conclusions out of that 2020 Giro, to be honest, these days. Um, yeah, I, I, I rate Almeida quite high. I don't know if I've got a, a solid top five in, in my... Uh, in my list here, but I'm very much looking forward to the successfulness of him at the, at the Giro. I do see Almeida podium in the Giro. I'm not sure about winning it per se, but podiuming would already be considered successful in his progress compared to previous years. And then we look at a Mars. What can he do better than this year? And I'm like, okay, second in the Vuelta is probably a ceiling. Uh, his, his Vuelta performance is really, really good, but... um. He just was so bad for the rest of the year, apart from like the last stage, mountain stage of the Tour de France, and like he was dropping hard on the day before that. Um, yeah, just I know look, Movistar have got in some, I think better. Did you say even Velasco from Astana's gone there? Where did yeah. you see? I didn't see any. Is that confirmed? Uh, I, I spoke to him about it in DM. So unless he's pretending to go to go okay. to Movistar, he's uh, yeah. Uh, so, so he's the architect behind. Well, I think we think. Astana having much better TT this year. Lushenko Izaguirre at the at the Dauphiné. Vlasov's TT Aramburu. way better. Aaron Bruni won the Vuelta Prologue TT. 
So, yeah, I think him at Movistar and their team, those guys have been underperforming in the time trial relative to what they've, the power they've been putting out. So hopefully he will help them there and Musk can do even better. I finally, finally figured out who my breakout star is for GC. Oh. It's Nielsen Paulus. I didn't expect that name at all. I, I feel like Nielsen Paulus is the guy that we've seen become really decent at surprising people in one-day races and we saw it in the world championships we saw it in the likes of san sebastian which he won now sure san sebastian is a a relative mickey mouse race compared to the other one-day races but it's still a very good performance and i honestly won't know if he would have won if honore didn't ride into a wall halfway to the descent. but i still find it a strong performance and what is paulus's time trial because i swear it's relatively decent right uh, his UAE two time trial was pretty shit for a guy okay. of his size. To be honest, um, how twenty five uh, Tour de France TT. Yeah, he's got to, he's got to figure out got to work on that TT. But he came fifth at UAE tour. I'd like to see him at Basque Country. Uh, I think he'd go pretty well there, given that he won San Sebastian. <laughs> so I'm like, well, if you can win San Sebastian, you can do well in the six day <laughs> version of San Sebastian. Um, <laughs> So maybe that's a bit of a hot take. I don't see him like competing for the tour, but I like what EF are doing. I like who they're putting around. The problem is, smartly, that EF probably think, okay, well, we've got this really talented guy. He can maybe come seventh at the tour or we can go for stages with Chavez, Simon, Simon Gao and James Shaw, who they just signed in Palace. And I kind of agree with uh, the, the latter option going for, for stages really. And they've got like a young Colombian as well, Daniel Arroyave, who is he wasn't very good this year, but it was interesting to see how he goes. So, did you have I given you given you the chance to say your top five, Benji? Oh, I don't have a I don't have a select top five. I just named a few riders, so you're going okay. to have to live with that, I'm afraid. But when it comes to like a revelation for the season, I also don't have this rider where I've got in mind that uh, he's currently not on the radar and he's going to pop completely onto the radar. So perhaps by the time we reach our uh, our team previews, I'll have someone in mind and I'll definitely talk about it. I can't believe you haven't said it. I can't believe you haven't said it. Oh my God, as a Belgian? You didn't say Carlos Rodriguez for your breakout GC star. Mm. You've been on that hype train. I like George Steinhauser at, at uh, EF. I don't think year. I want to hype him up completely <laughs> for the first year of him potentially going to the Vuelta. Because like, I would expect him to go to the Vuelta based on his age and based on his performance and so forth. I would love for him to break out completely. Okay, I'm, I'm jumping on the high train. Fuck it. <laughs> Carlos Rodriguez is going to win the Vuelta as Spanish. <laughs> uh, top five? Uh, I think he could. He's pretty He's pretty, pretty damn good. I like Top five Vuelta. I like George Steinhauser a lot. I think he's pretty good. He's a yeah. pretty, pretty smart guy as well. But maybe it's a, it's a bit early to be saying that. Uh, the, the guy who really everyone should be watching and UAE's talent development not, I'm not convinced it's fantastic, is uh, Andres Camillo, Camilo Adila at UAE. This guy won Baby Giro 2019. He's 22. He's in his – got a, I think he took a four-year deal at UAE. This year he did Lavanier, got spanked by some guys. And that's at 22, younger than younger than him. Carlos Rodriguez is younger than him. And then I don't even remember him doing a good pool, let alone. So he's he's an example of someone not progressing uh particularly well i'm interested to see what happens with him and almeida Rubio? ana rubio is good but he's very small are you Which concerned rival? oh sorry 
Oh, Betrayal, I don't know where he's going. Bahrain yeah. don't seem to think he's like good, which is kind of confusing Odd. to me. Yeah, I know. Like, they didn't send to the world to leave, which is fucking mad. Um, are you concerned about Almeida going to UAE in terms of like the he or she drop off at UAE? And really, the team is team's not very good outside of Pog, let's be real. Like, he hard carries that team. Yeah, and I think that's why they want him, uh, because we were first considering that he would be support for Almeida, but based on what he's saying, that he's going to the Giro and the Vuelta, it seems like their goal is to sign riders to expand the width of the team and not necessarily the width of their Tour de France team, which I kind of like because that shows that the team is not only interested in winning the Tour de France, but also interested in, well, Tour de France and UAE Tour, and also interested in other races, and... Therefore, perhaps he can be a gateway into competing into more one-week races than the ones Pogacar is competing at. And then the question is, is he going to have a drop-off by leaving the Koenig and going to UAE? I am not sure the Grand Tour support at the Koenig was incredibly high either. I do believe he had decent support in 2020 Giro, but that's a completely different story. And this year... I feel like his mental pressure of getting uh, his agent getting shit on the, the day before the Giro and so forth, that rivalry with Remco, it's all unhealthy when it comes to you trying to be a leader at the Grand Tour and trying to be a leader of a team. And I think that mental pressure might be relieving next year. So perhaps that counterbalances any effect that we are expecting from going to UAE. Yeah, I think he... Yeah, De Koenig's not like the the best... The best GC setup either from what I've seen so far. I mean, Catano is just like a steady improver. I don't see him like I really like him, but he's you know he's thirty one. Although Caruso, like he <laughs> big improvement at, in, in his thirties too. So, um, but yeah, Catano, Masnada, I do like Masnada is as well a bit of a later developer. Like he's only on he only joined Quickstep halfway through last year before the Giro d'Italia and then his Lombardia performance was really good and then he abandoned the Giro this year. So he's really good. I just, yeah, I, I don't know, not not like a breakout star level. But, yeah, that's the last question I have, Benji, here actually on my list, which I haven't told you about, is will Ineos this time next year, will we be talking about an Ineos rider as the most successful GC rider of 2022. What's the pathway for that happening? They've brought Roger Hammond now over. He's confirmed going back to Ineos. Ellingworth went back at the start of this year. The problems in the welter from, I don't know anything, but just from my perspective with Yates and Bernal, is there, what's the possibility of that happening? Uh, is it just Pog? One of Pog or Rog crashes out of the Tour and then they use numbers and won't they somehow win the Tour de France? Or do you think... They can actually resume their ascendancy that they or their their dominance that they had in the last ten years. I personally don't have that belief currently that we're going to be talking about that next year based on what we're seeing right now. But what needs to change is that they need to find a effective way of handling Pogacar and Roglic when they are riding at their peak. And right now, with their leadership that they currently have and the tactics that I've seen in twenty twenty one, I would not um see that as a possibility yet next year and perhaps they find it but i currently don't see it coming based on what i've seen so far but then again who am i to say that i don't have a clue what to do with their team to uh to win those races either because uh in all honesty if i if i uh would know then they would be paying me a lot of money to uh know it so <laughs> why pay them? why would they pay us many days to listen to the pod for free and then just <laughs> uh yeah i think they need yates tt to improve 
a bit more and he can't be doing that well as a TT performance because that's the thing, you know, if he, if he has a Almeida-level TT or Master-level TT, then he comes to the welter. And, but I think, yeah, Bernal, they, my biggest concern for them is, and this is what happened this year, they kept pairing riders that had both had bad TTs. And, and also riders that countered each other in their abilities, like Yates and a Bernal, in the way that they rode the Velta, Yates putting Bernal into pressure by having to attack all the time. Uh, that kind of stuff doesn't work. Exactly. And I think Danny Martinez, they've had also a lot of bad luck. I, mean, not, I don't feel sorry for them, but they've had <laughs> bad luck in like Danny Martinez. He's got a better TT potential, although he can't descend. You know, he's not looking as good, and we, we, we have to wait to see how he goes. Richie Port, third at the Tour de France, like what, 10, no, 12, 14 months ago. And then Tour de France, don't know what happened this year, although he won, did win the Dauphiné and his climbing performance there plus TT was very, very high level. But yeah, like Port, are they going to get him? He doesn't seem to want to focus on Grand Tours. I don't know. I don't know what's happening there. Maybe he wasn't happy. Uh, Thomas, again, big question marks. And these are the TT guys I'm talking about who can be like like Thomas plus Carapaz, both in good form, is a good combination. Or Thomas and Bernal. Uh, well, is it? I don't know. Terreno Adriatico didn't work too well in Prati <laughs> de Tivo. That's the thing. The tactics, as Benji alluded to, they picked kind of the wrong stage for the one-two action, which was like a run-up and smash, mountaintop finish, 25-minute was per kilo test. It's like Thomas and not putting Pagatra under pressure on that. It's Castelfidardo stage that you can use numbers a bit more effectively the next day. Uh, so that's something they've got to figure out. I'm sure that's why they got Hammond back over, but uh, whether they can, whether there's anything you can do, I'm not sure because if you can't do the watts and you get beaten in the TT, you're kind of fucked. <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. But the rest about the Ineos talk will follow in the team previews. The next couple of weeks, we'll focus on the award shows like we are doing at the moment. And uh, towards the end of November and start of December, right, is when we start our team previews for every single I one of the teams. So. We put it out on Twitter on CP. That's where those sort of updates go. Thanks for listening. As always, we hope you're enjoying this. Let us know particularly whether you disagree. Make sure to give us a five-star rating on Podcast Players plus a roast, and we'll see you in a few days with the best time trials towards of 2021. Ciao. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 